This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, we've got a special return guest to the podcast today. His name is Riley Meek. So he is an entrepreneur, author, and speaker, and he came on episode 355 of this podcast. So you can check that out, 355. He runs what's called the King's Council. So the King's Council, in a nutshell, is basically a community of entrepreneurs coming together where they can support each other in community, learn from each other. It's coaching. It's all that kind of stuff. We talked about that a lot on episode 355, so you can go back and get a better sense of that. And the link will be in the show notes where you can check out their website. He also has a podcast called the King's Council podcast, but today we're talking about his new book called The Kingdom Entrepreneur. And so the thing about the kingdom is that is something that Jesus talked about constantly within the New Testament. And then Riley constantly talks about entrepreneurism and how there's a creation mandate and how we are to take dominion over the parts of the creation that God has given us dominion over. But most of us don't really connect all those dots, right? You know, we'll see some things maybe in scripture and we kind of see how they apply to our lives, and but we don't always connect all those dots. And so that's kind of his attempt with this book is to come together to explain the overall concept of kingdom entrepreneurship and specifically how we are to act inside of that. And so in this discussion today, we talk about Christian's thoughts on work, how we think, uh, you know, work is a, is a curse and we thought it was a curse from the beginning, but we were actually created to work, but it's the uh, toil that was added whenever sin entered the world that created issues for us. We talk about dominion and what the overall concept of that is and how we can find that in our lives. We talk about how the church's Uh, basically staying away from the subject of money, how that's been really bad for a lot of people in their mindset. And it's caused them to not be able to shift into a different mindset because it kind of almost like sticks them in a poverty mindset and keeps them there. But also we talk about kingdom work and how uh, making money and doing things inside the kingdom is something that is required. It's something that we need to do. If we want to do all of these faithful things that God would have us do, a lot of those things are expensive. And we even talked about Regardless of your setup, if you're an entrepreneur with multiple businesses or if you're working in a cubicle, doing something blue collar, anything in between, how anywhere where you work, guys, and you've heard this before, but it's always good to get a reminder that you are exactly where God needs you to be in that moment because you are in full-time ministry. You may not have the word pastor on your business card. You may not do churchy things in your everyday work, but you are in full-time evangelistic ministry by the life that you're living uh, the life that you're living and the the connection that you have with God and the connection that you have with God's image bearers. So we talk about a lot of different things in this particular episode today, but I was just really, really happy with how it went. And at the end, I asked him because he's always got different entrepreneurial ventures going on. And so he talked to us about this new thing that I didn't quite understand in the moment, but I've thought a little bit more about it later. But we talk about that at the very, very end. So that's an interesting thing uh, for those of you that love different business ideas, but I'm not going to keep him from you any longer. So without further ado, let's get into it. Riley Meek, you're back, but uh, here's the thing. Last time you had a t-shirt on so you could easily start the gun show, but now you got a jacket on. What's the deal? Have you not been working out lately? Is that what's happening? Bro, you're, you're, I, I'm trying to keep up with you, so I didn't want to embarrass myself on this episode. So Hey, man, that's today. okay. That's okay. You can keep it covered up for today, but the next time I see you, you need to be wearing like a tank top or something like that. But hey, you've been on the show before, as I said in the introduction and all that. But for those that don't know you, you got to give us your journey from super tiny, small town to entrepreneur. And you got about 60 seconds because we we have a lot of ground to cover elsewhere. So you got 60 seconds to give us the whole thing. All right, bro. Born in South Dakota, born and raised in South Dakota. Uh, gave my life to entrepreneurship at the age of 15, gave my life to Christ at the age of 16, 
Uh, moved up here to Minnesota, which is where we reside most of the time now. Um, we do have a place in Florida, and I think I spend majority of my nights in hotel rooms, really, just with all the, the businesses we have going on. But uh, multiple different businesses. Uh, we've done millions of, of dollars in, in revenue. But my heart, man, my passion is the King's Council. Uh, I know that is what God has called me to do at, for this moment in time in my life, uh, which, uh, I mean, I'm sure we'll dive into this, bro, but this is uh, We Disciple Entrepreneurs. Right. And, and uh, that was a big thing that was missing in my life when I started to make a decent amount of money. Um, I was I am the epitome of the prodigal son. Uh, and I just thank God. Thank God so much that he never took his hand off of me, allowed me to grow through the junk uh, that got me to where I am right now. Uh, and really, it's just been the last four years have been epic, man. I started to understand the difference between looking to Jesus as savior versus looking to him as Lord. And uh, that's my, my mission, vision, and purpose now is, is just uh, Jesus is Lord. It's, it's sanctification from here on out. Okay. I wasn't planning on asking you about it, but you kind of brought it up with the King's Council stuff and the entrepreneurism and the coaching. <clears throat> but my wife and I, we're kind of unique. We're kind of odd ducks because she and I are both entrepreneurs running businesses. And a common thread that we go back and forth with is, you know, entrepreneurism can be lonely, especially if you're solopreneur. You don't have a lot of staff that you have to see every single day in the office. Like I'm a solopreneur. She's a solopreneur. Uh, and I've talked to other people that are, you know, everything from uh, insurance salesmen to attorneys to, you know, uh, I don't know, like personal trainers and all that. And they, they have some sort of element of entrepreneurism to what they're doing. But talk to me a little bit about just how how you can feel like you're literally on an island by yourself. No one's dealing with the same problems that you are. You, you can't really see over the stack of crap that you have to do. And it's just so hard to focus on the future when you have all this stuff that has to happen immediately. Go, go with that wherever you want to go. Yeah, bro. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's first off even just define what, what entrepreneurship actually is. Uh, and because I really believe uh, everybody at the core of creation, uh, everybody is an entrepreneur, right? Because uh, the the word, the French word entreprendre literally just means to undertake, right? And I, I, I look to, when I read the Bible, I obviously look at it through an entrepreneur lens. Like we, we're a little different, right? We we like to create. We, we, we look for, when we see problems, our mind immediately goes to solutions. And it's like, how do we get better and better and better. And I think that's a God-given uh, skill set. But I think culture has has done a heck of a, a great job at teaching that out of us, or dare I even say indoctrinating that out of us. Uh, and I think the enemy is behind all of that, right? And just with like uh, becoming slaves to the system that we really live in. But I think at the core of what God created us to do was to co-create with him. Right. And in Genesis chapter two even gives us a prime example of that. But but when we have that understanding, it's like, OK, we're here to co-create. I know that I'm not doing this alone, because also in that same uh, section in Genesis there, it says that it wasn't good for man to be alone. And and thank God he created woman. But also, I think it's, it's more than just uh, a relationship. Uh, uh, we've been given this command to you know be fruitful, to multiply. And a lot of people think like that's making babies, which believe me, is fun, uh, but there's way more to it than just making babies. It, it has to do with kingdom culture, right? We've been called to be fruitful, and that means be productive. What is it that you have in your hands? And then multiply that. And then once we do that, we then can have actual dominion. So it's be, be fruitful, do multiply, have dominion. And when we do that, even as a solopreneur, it's so important for us to 
to know that we're not doing it alone, but we do have to, to invite our creator in on this process with us. And then once we understand that and we start to invite our, um, our peers or like mindsetted individuals into this process, we know that we're on mission together as kingdom entrepreneurs, right? And that's, that's specifically, if you're you know not a follower of Jesus, this might not even make sense to you, but if you've committed your life to Jesus and now you've taken on this kingdom mindset, meaning Jesus is king, uh, we then now are all of the same mindset. It's like we are growing. We are, we are here to be fruitful, to multiply, to have dominion, the kingdom dominion here and now. And we know that you can't, you just can't do that alone, right? It's, it's, just, it's, it's literally impossible to do that alone. And that's why it's so important for the aspect of community, of coming together with those like mindsetted believers that are on mission, that have vision and have purpose, that MVP process, mission, vision, mission, vision, purpose to actually have dominion. And that, Kyle, is really how I believe we as entrepreneurs can change culture, right? We, it, because it comes back to there's, there's the culture of the world, which is dominating right now. But I believe it's up to entrepreneurs, specifically here in the United States of America. Like if, if, if we want the change, it's going to come down to entrepreneurs, those that are willing to undertake the task at hand, especially here and now in 2024, man, because it's a it's an uphill battle. But the yeah. beautiful thing is with this kingdom mindset, we know the war is already won, but we got to come battle ready. And it's it's literally impossible to, to do that alone, to fight these battles alone. We got to fight them with brothers and sisters in Christ. And then that's how we can really, truly have that dominion, as I mentioned. Hey guys, real quick. Here recently, one of my family members was telling me about how they partnered with another family and they bought some beef from this local cattle producer. And when they got the beef, it was unbelievably terrible. And I can tell you this from experience because they made me some beef ribs from that animal and they were terrible. And they even gave me some steaks and some ground and it was basically inedible. I, like I couldn't believe how bad it was. And they ended up finding out that the person killed an old bull or something like that. And just the meat was old and tough and awful. And that's just what happens when you don't have a quality cattle operation that you can trust to give you a quality beef product on the back end. And that's, guys, why I want to introduce you to the official beef delivery partner of Undaunted Life, my friends at Primal Beef. So Primal Beef is a cattle operation owned and operated by Sean Glass. He's a retired Navy SEAL that has partnered with Jocko Willing to launch Primal Beef. So. What makes Primal Beef different from some of these other cattle operations where you're going to end up getting bad beef? This operation is all American Black Angus cattle. The beef comes from one farm, and that's in Virginia Shenandoah Valley. The beef is all natural, no hormones ever, no mRNA ever, no vaccines ever. And after slaughter, this is a big deal. The beef is dry-aged, and then it's hand-cut by artisan butchers and then flash-frozen to ensure that it maintains tenderness, marbling, and flavor. And here's another great thing about it. For every box sold, Primal Beef donates meat directly to a member of America's Special Operations Forces through the C4 Foundation. So you can take pride in knowing that your purchase will help to put literal food on the table for America's finest warriors. If you're not salivating yet, it's probably because you're a communist. Don't be a communist. Try Primal Beef out today by going to www.primalbeef.com. That's primalbeef.com. Use the promo code Kyle, that's my first name, to get 10% off of your order. The great thing about that promo code is you can stack that on other deals as well and get all this money off. Again, that's primalbeef.com, promo code Kyle, that's K-Y-L-E, to get 10% off your order. 
Yeah, community is so important, and that's kind of the big thing is if you don't have community, that's not an excuse to continue not having community. You have to go and create your community, but also it's good to be around people that are like-minded. So let's say you're the, the the entrepreneur in your group and everybody else is kind of just, you know, maybe they're in a sales job or a you know nine-to-five job or a cubicle job or something like that. They're not going to understand the stuff you're going through in the same way, and that doesn't make them bad. It makes them different. It makes, you know, it just reveals that you had different you know choices in terms of your profession than they have. And there's a different mindset when you can only eat if you kill something. Um, mm. Whereas, you know, with the cubicle thing, it's like, well, just show up and don't piss anybody off and you'll probably be able to keep your job as long as the economy holds. So having those people around you that are having those similar experiences is really, really important. But throughout some of the stuff that you just said there, Riley, you really hit on a lot of stuff that's really the center point of your new book, which is called The Kingdom Entrepreneur, The Creation Mandate, God's Call to Work. Now, I don't have a physical copy here in front of me because apparently I slipped through the cracks, Riley. You and I talk all the time, but apparently you can't send me a book. So you owe me. Write, a, write yourself a note. That needs to happen immediately. But this is book two Drummer. of a series that you're writing. Yeah, I know you'll do it. It's book two in a series <laughs> that you're doing. Um, and just just briefly, tell us what specifically kingdom entrepreneurship is, because I want to really dig into some of the different subject matters you actually bring up in the book. Yeah, thank you, man. So yeah, this is book two of a three-part series. The first book, um, I don't know if we, I don't, we might've talked about that on the first episode that we did together, but that's, that's the God given blueprint. Like God has given us a blueprint to create, uh, through the seven days of creation. So I lay that out in that book of how to create anything, whether it's a, a great relationship or an incredible business, right? How do we do this? Let's just follow the cre- the blueprint that our creator had, had given us, right? If we look to the Bible as that, like our literal operating manual, There's so much that we can glean from that on how to actually apply it into our everyday life. Uh, Book two, then, what we're talking about here today, man, this is uh, the creation mandate. And as I mentioned, the original creator uh, has actually invited us, which is just it's it so blows my mind, man. Even when I think about this, I mean, I've dove into this, wrote a, a book about it, but it's still when I talk about this just blows my mind that. In Genesis chapter two, starting in like verse 15, um, you know, God created man, Adam, and placed him in the garden to work, right? A lot of people think that that work is part of the curse, and that's not the case. God actually created us with the intent to work the garden. Like that was the blessing that we got to do was to co-work with our creator in the garden. Now, we jacked it up, of course, and, and then ultimately, uh, the curse w- was on the ground. It's like now by the, by the sweat of your brow, you're going you're gonna to sweat, you're going to toil. It's going to be hard. There's going to be thorns, right? And all of us, whether you're a believer or not, you know that's what we deal with on a daily basis. But specifically before that, in, in, in Genesis 2, there's a moment when God actually comes to Adam. Uh, and it's, it's, it's like day six of, of creation. He, he created the rest of the animals and the mammals, right? And then he created man. And as as he's creating these animals, he has to name them, right? And so it, it blows my mind, Kyle, that he actually brings Adam into this process. And he says, hey, what do you want to name them? Like, what do you, you want to name that tall necked thing over there? Like, the I don't know, a giraffe, right? Like, I mean, it, it's just so incredible that God could have did all of that, but no, he invited us in the process, and then from there in Genesis one twenty eight, gave us this succession plan, as I mentioned before, is to be fruitful, 
to multiply what you've been given, and that will allow us to have dominion on this earth. That was the original intent. That was our succession plan. After he created everything, then he's like, all right, it's on you now. You have to go create, right? We, I mean, we may have, some of us may have even heard this, like, first off, everything that we see in creation right now was God created everything in six days, but he didn't create everything that we see now, right? For example, he didn't create the table. He created a tree and then instilled in us knowledge and wisdom and insight on how to make a table, right? Or how to build a house or uh, he, he gave us oil in the ground and then he gave us the ability to understand how to, to make tires and rubber and, and cars. It's like, it's fascinating to me. And, and even if just you look in the last 100, 200 years, the progression, how quickly things have progressed compared to the last, you know, 1800 years, it's, it's mind boggling to the extent of where we're at in culture right now. But I do believe, and again, we see this so much that, that even right now, there's a couple statistics in the, in the book, man. Um, in 1913, the amount here, and these are specifically here in America in 1913, uh, roughly, uh, I've got to get my, my fact right on this. I think it was roughly 7% of um, U.S. citizens were actually employees. The 93% were actually entrepreneurs. And, and that's just meaning like you weren't paid a wage to sit in a cubicle like, like you had mentioned, right? Mm -hmm. It was you had a task. Like you had to – you got paid a specific amount to go do something and produce, right? And I think if we could get back to that, it would be incredible. But – it's unfortunate now it's the, the numbers are actually completely inverse, right? Because the industrial revolution, everything had, had happened to essentially create what I would consider slaves to just, just do the, the minimal, minimal amount possible to get paid what you have to get paid for that eight hours and then be done and go do whatever you want to do. And it's fascinating throughout the Bible, man. I don't see that. I don't see that model anywhere in scripture. Right. Nowhere. Retirement isn't even in scripture. We are made to we are created to co-create with our creator and continually progress until he calls us home. And that's why I, I just think there is a call to entrepreneurship, a call to co-create. But if we've never heard of this before, it seems like, OK, that's a little weird. Right. Because culture, society tells us to go to school, go to college, go two hundred thousand dollars in debt. Now, I, I know that's biblical. You ain't supposed to do that, right? Uh, but this is what we've been told and we fully accepted, embraced. We've even planned to go into debt, to be slaves so that we have to forever do what we, I mean, we're, we're truly serving money in our poverty in that standpoint. And so this book is really a call to open our eyes, unveil, maybe the, the, understand, have the revelation of like, wait a minute, I can create something. I can create something of value that people will actually provide money, resources to, so that I have the time, the flexibility to actually do my God-given calling on this earth. And unfortunately, I think a lot of people, is it, the heart of the King's Council is to be provision for the God-given vision of the church. But here in America, we have become enslaved to making money, to going to a job, which ties up all of our time that makes us unavailable to our creator to actually fulfill his God-given calling on this earth, which is to be fruitful, to multiply, right? And then we've been given, that's the original commandment, 
right? And then in the New Testament, we've been told we are to go forth, right? To, to preach the gospel, we are to make disciples. But if we are bogged down because we have to provide and have provision by working for our master, which is money, that's going to prevent a lot of those, those opportunities. Uh, it, it just takes it off the table because we can't do it because we're, we're obligated to this job. I have to provide for my family, which is honorable. Absolutely. But if we understand that there's another alternative, right, that you can create, whether you think you're an entrepreneur or not, you guys know you're an entrepreneur. We just have to, to understand and open up your eyes to like, okay, what can I create? What do I have? What's of value here? And then we help disciple people through that process. So let me get back to a couple of things that you said, because we're, we're bouncing all over a lot of the stuff that's in the book. I think I tend I think to do that. Yeah, dude, it's all good. That's I get excited too. And then I'm like, wait, crap, what was the question? Um, so I think it was like the Prussian, I think it was the Prussian model of like how they did factory workers and they carried that same model into the classroom. And then the Americans kind of adopted that model. And so that's like the sit in rows, focus on one person at the front of the room, not a whole lot of, you know, entrepreneurism focus. It's all basically do this and then do it correctly and then memorize this and then regurgitate it. And then yep. you just basically do that for 13 years of non-higher education and then four plus years of higher education. And then, you know, it, it goes into the thing that you described. And what I don't want people to hear that are in a cubicle, because that's where I used to be, and that's where you're maybe listening to this right now, some of you out there, because you and I disagree a little bit on the fact that everyone is an entrepreneur and should be an entrepreneur. And yeah. we talked about that before. I think we talked about that the last time you came on here a couple of years ago. But I think a better way of thinking about it, which you talk about in the book, is when you do talk about dominion, which you've mentioned already in this episode, because yeah, in terms of Christianity and work, there's a short quote that, that you make your point in the book, and it's this, what made the Garden of Eden so special wasn't the absence of work, it was the presence of the perfect co-worker. So if you think about it in those terms, it's like, yes, like that totally makes sense. But then when you look at the dominion side of things, I want to read this quote from the book. God created us for kingship for dominion. And inside each of us is a hidden kingdom consciousness longing for its domain. And so to those of you listening to this, your domain could be in that cubicle. It could be leading the people that are in your little cubicle farm or cubicle area. It could be a business. It could be a new venture. It could be an additional thing, a side hustle where your dominion will be found. So talk to us a little bit more specifically about the dominion side of it, and then we'll pop around to some of the other topics in the book. Yeah, it's so good. Reminds me, reminded me of what your first question was, man. So <laughs> um, it's good, dude. It, it really is. A lot of people think when when the fall took place that we lost a religion, and that's that's not the case. What 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 was lost was a kingdom, right? And if we understand what kingdom actually means, the, the root word of that, there's two words put together. There's king and domain, right? And and domain. So we know king. Jesus is king. First off, right? If we understand that, like okay, now we can build upon that. But domain, a domain, like is like a a territory, right? Where you have dominion, right? Where somebody, there's a ruler and a reigner. However, the interesting thing is that D-O-M, dom, the suffix of that is actually like a, in a verb tense, right? So, so a lot of us can have, uh, can experience like boredom, right? Or stardom, right? And so it's, it's like, we know it's a, it's a, it's a state or a being. So when Jesus is king and we experience the kingdom, 
It is that state to that being of his rule and reign in our life. So when, when man sinned, we lost the kingdom. We lost Jesus's rule and reign in our life. The most incredible thing is, though, throughout the rest of the Old Testament, there is a promise of a Messiah, right? And that, that someone's coming back. Jesus came on the scene, right? He, you know, he lived the, the 30 years and then he all of a sudden said, hey, I'm, I, I, he started his ministry for the three years. He died the most horrific death. And rose again. And this is what's this. I mean, if he hadn't risen again, Christianity wouldn't have, it would be a fallacy, right? But the fact that he rose again and when he returned, he wasn't preaching uh, anything else except the kingdom, right? If, if you've looked throughout the New Testament, he's like, he shows up on the scene. He's like, hey, the kingdom of heaven is here. It is here. It's not like in a distance or a place that we're going to go. Yes, heaven is a place. But when we pray, thy kingdom come, right? He gave us a very clear structure on how to pray. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That means the kingdom of heaven can be here and now. And it begins with Jesus's rule and reign in our life. And so this is where if you've given your life to Christ. Now, if you haven't, this may sound like malarkey to you because like, I don't even, this is bizarre, right? But here's the deal. If you've given your life to Christ, you've submitted and it's like, okay, Jesus, you are savior. And this is where I was at for uh, a number of years in my life because I didn't understand discipleship. I didn't understand lordship. But as I read through the New Testament now, I understand that whenever savior is, is mentioned, there's always Lord right before it. It's like Lord and savior. Jesus is Lord and savior. So Lord meaning I'm submitting to him. This is where obedience comes into play. And if it's like, all right, God, I'm going to submit to you. And I understand that that's truly what the kingdom of uh, when we're praying, that kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. It's like your rule and reign in my life. Help me in the decisions that I make. Guide me right on, on, on how to actually walk this thing out, how to actually live this life out here on earth. Because a lot of people think that eternity begins when you die, like when your flesh dies. But that is not the case, Kyle. You know this, man. Eternity begins the moment you submit, the moment you pray, you speak those words, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I repent and I ask you to be Lord of my life. And thank you for, for your grace and your mercy, the power within my life. That, that right there is when eternity begins for each individual. And that's when the kingdom can actually rule and reign. And so as we're all walking around in these flesh suits that we have right now, we gotta understand that's the kingdom of God. We are the temple, right? This is why we don't need the temple set up anymore because his rule and reign operates in our life and he died already for our sins and, and that washed away everything from that point on, right? When we come to him with a repentant heart and now seek, to seek him as Lord of our lives from there on. And this just comes back to where I struggled a lot, Kyle, was how do I do this? When I, when I first gave my life to Jesus, it's like, yeah, this is great. I'm 16, 17, 18, 19. I'm starting to like realize there's, I still have to live life. I still have to like figure this out. I have to provide for my family. And I could have gone the route of what culture tells me to do, right? But thankfully, this is where I, I think... Again, where we kind of disagree is that entrepreneurship isn't that you are 
you're building a business even. You can be working in the cubicle and still be an entrepreneur if you have that mindset because that's all it is. Like, am I willing to undertake the task at hand? Yes, for the time, you may be working a job that pays you 15 bucks an hour for this eight hour day. But if you take on this mindset, like I am here to undertake, I'm going to and know that I'm not working for man, but everything Colossians tells us, everything that we do, we are working as if we're working for the Lord, not for man. And that is, again, that kingdom, that, that, that rule and reign in our life. And if we do that and commit to that man, that's when there's just such freedom. There's such freedom in that. Uh, and, and again, it comes back to that entrepreneurship mindset. Well, I, I, I want to go further with that because I literally, as you were saying that, I wrote down mindset shift. And I, I think you made a great point in the book, which it was almost like it was almost like a side point, but it just worked with the entirety of what you're going for. But it's just the fact that we are all in full-time ministry. And so I want to read this quote here and I want you to keep going with where, where you were where you were going a second ago. We were created and redeemed for more than evangelism. Yes, that is part of what we are called to do. It is our good works that bring glory and honor to God. We are not saved by our works, but we are saved in order to do good works. Because of this, all of our work is essentially kingdom work. Even if you're not sharing the gospel or consider yourself in full-time ministry. Can I just say this? We are in full-time ministry. Riley, if, if people just took away from your book, and there's a lot more, if they just took away from your book, Domain, Find your domain, find the domain that God has set before you, find that and shift your mindset to be that I am in full-time ministry, whether I'm digging ditches or in the corner office that I think that that, I don't want to be hyperbolic because, you know, I can get excited too. And, you know, I got this crazy ginger energy, but that changes the West. That changes everything. It changes, it changes the stock market. It changes your community because if you, if you walk into a new church or if you walk into a new job or if you walk into the same job you've had for the last decade and you just think to yourself, this is where God has me to do full-time ministry. He has me in this neighborhood. He has me in this seat. He has me on this plane. And that's what I'm here to do. I feel like it changes everything, Riley. It does. It does, man. I'm so glad you brought this up because that as entrepreneurs, and I know if, if we got some listening to this, you guys are, are hustlers, you're, you're grinders. It's like, we're going to work. And this is how I lived my life. I still really believe in this philosophy that if I'm going to be the harder, hardest worker in the room, ain't nobody going to outwork me, right? Now, we, we have that, we understand that, but it's, it's understanding and corralling that into what true success actually is. And this is where what I think is is so important because I was in, I was so infatuated with being successful when I when I you know for a long time for a long time but my 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 definition of success was what the world told me success was right and and it really for me it was like I wanted to do what I want when I want where I want who I, with who I want how I want right and when I really look at that now as a as a as a Christian, like a, a true Christian, a follower of Jesus, that ain't success, right? Because our success truly should be, I want to do what Jesus wants, where I want, when I want, how I want, wh wh however he directs me, that's lordship, right? But the world tells us that we, we, we need to be successful. We need to go make money. And so many of us base our, our, our definition of success based upon other people, 
right? True success has nothing to do with what other people are doing. True success only is based upon, did you do what you know God called you to do? And that comes right back to your point, Kyle. It's like where you're at right now, where are you? Are you in that job? You are there for a reason, whether you believe it or not. And if you if you understand that, it's like, all right, God, it, it shifts your prayer from God, get me out of this opportunity. Get me out of this. Give me more opportunity. It shifts your prayer to God. Use me today. Break my heart for what breaks yours and, and open my eyes to how I can be a blessing to somebody else right here, right now. Because if we know the moment that we've given our life to Christ, if, if, if that's the only thing that's important, the only thing we should be doing is evangelizing. Right. If, if that's it, if it's like all you need to do is say the prayer, you're getting into heaven, check the box, cool, eternity, then the only thing we should absolutely be doing is evangelizing. But that's not it, man. The Bible has so much more to say about this. It's a small percentage. Right. And when you when you've now uh, given your life to Christ, now you've entered the kingdom. And this is where things get real exciting. This is where it's like, OK, and this is where I think a lot of this is where I was at for, dude. Uh, 15 years, 15 plus years of my life. It's like I got in the door. I, I thought, right? I don't know. I'm not going to go into a the, the, theological basis of was I saved, was I not at all. But I thought I got into the door, right? It, but little did I know that there were so many rooms. There were so many things that God had for me. I just didn't know about it. I just didn't know that there's there was more to this this life of a believer, this freedom, this discipleship, this this process of sanctification, uh, and, and that man, if we if when we understand that, it's like God, I no longer am chasing after the things of this world, right? I am chasing after you. We play for an audience of one, and when we when we understand that, it takes away. When I, I know I've said freedom a fair amount, like what does that actually mean? It just takes away the pressures of this world what society has told us we're supposed to do or or culture has said well well you should do this how you even raise your kids it 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 radically changes that because it's no longer about them trying to be worldly successful like my prayer it's, it's so funny we do have ellie huge homeschool proponents of course but we do have ellie in a private christian school here in, in minnesota and she gets her grades and she gets a little like kind of worked up about it uh, on getting A's. And it's, you know, our, how we're teaching her is just like, listen, we want you to do your best. Your your job is to only do your best. It has zero to do uh, with even getting your teacher to like you or, or trying to win them in that way. But you do what you do. Absolutely. Your best. The only class we're, we're mostly concerned about that we want you to memorize, to truly memorize is Bible. Right. And it's like you're getting an A on that. You could literally fail all the other classes. And as long as I know that you're actually with all your effort training to be better, we're, we're OK with that. And when she, I think, fully grasped that, she was like, OK. And there was a there was a freedom in that. It's just like, if the, yeah, we, she needs to learn math. She needs to learn English. She needs to learn these basic skills. But that's not what life is about. It is about knowing your creator in holiness and sanctification and getting getting back to just the basics of why we were created and then everything else we're just we're going to do it with our entire being our entire effort because we know it isn't to go win man over 
Yes, that's a part of it. But how we're going to do that is because they see that we're different. They see, as you mentioned, when you're when you're in the workplace, like if we are truly image bearers of the of God Almighty, right? We we're called to be ambassadors for Christ. Meaning we we're protected. We have we have like a, a protected territory within us and around us. And then we should be image bearers. We should be like reflecting His goodness. And when we take that on, we can't help but naturally people are going to be uh, uh, attracted to us because there's just something different. There's just something different about how you operate. You don't get worked up when things uh, you know get tough. When, when you get the crisis, you don't get, you don't freak out. And it's because we're rooted in, in truth. We're rooted in our, the kingdom, right? In our, our ruler and reigner in our life. And that truly to me is evangelism. Like that's how we have dominion on this earth is the culture that we create in our households. And then that flows out into the marketplace, into the world and kingdom culture can now actually take place based upon what we've been told in Genesis 128. But we have to be fruitful first in order to multiply. One, it really reminds us, well, you, you say it's like one of the last sentences of the book, but it's the question you need to ask yourself, which is what is success anyway? And so you're, you're talking about dominion and kingdom mindset and entrepreneurship and raising money and selling and all this other stuff. But that's kind of the crux of the whole issue is what does success mean? Because yeah. is it crushing Q2 just like you did Q1? Maybe. Maybe that leads into the plans that God has for you. God doesn't need you, but he wants you to be part of his overall dominion plan. I feel like there is a nefarious thing that's kind of undergirding a lot of stuff that we talk about. And it's something that you address in the book. It's this lack of money talk in the church and a poverty mindset leading to a lot of Christians. Again, if you're a non-Christian listening to this today, we're so glad that you're here, but maybe this doesn't, uh, it's not going to feel like it super applies to you, but we don't talk about money even though Jesus talked about money in the New Testament constantly. Um, it, but in modernity, we don't like talking about it. I think churches have been, you know, lulled into this idea of thinking like, oh, you know, if we start talking about money, people are going to get uncomfortable and they're going to not want to come anymore. It's like, well, yeah, money can be an uncomfortable subject matter. I used to be in financial planning and people would much rather talk about their sex life in public than to talk about their retirement plans. It's just one of those weird things people – you're going to be talking about something that people have a death grip on with both hands. So yes, churches, it is going to be awkward. That's not a sign that you shouldn't talk about it. That's a sign that you should talk about it more. But it's also this this poverty mindset that you can't be a good Christian unless you're poor and destitute. And probably my favorite quote from the entire book was this, hear me on this, wealth is not wicked and poverty is not piety. Well, I think we've bought into the fact, like we do think that in the opposite. We think that having wealth is wicked. That's kind of a very leftist uh, mindset that, oh, you you have all this money. You must have gotten it by taking advantage of people. You must have gotten it by, you know, ill-gotten means or something like that. And that if you're somehow in poverty, you get to claim victimhood status, right? Well, I'm impoverished because of the mean guy. And again, that gets into communism and socialism and all that, which is not the point of today's discussion. But talk to me a little bit about what the church has done in not talking about money that has kind of aided in this poverty mindset and thus maybe keeps people away from this, this kingdom entrepreneurship concept that you're laying out. Yeah, man, this is really truly what breaks my heart with the, the church here in America. And this isn't obviously every church. There's some incredible ones out there that, that are, are leading their flock well. Right. But I think 
unfortunately where a lot of churches are, how they're gauging success, right? I think it's flawed in the fact that it's, it's butts and seats. It's, it's followers, right? Now we weren't ever, the Bible doesn't ever tell us to, to make converts of Jesus, right? Not to make fans of Jesus, right? It's to make disciples and discipleship. The root word of this is it comes from discipline, right? It's like, oh, snap. When we really understand, like uh, we're making people disciplined, we're called to make people disciplined in, in their actions, right? And, and the majority, this is why it's so fascinating to, to me, man, also throughout all of the things that could have been mentioned in, in uh, uh, Mark, I forget the actual chapter, but really it, when it says, hey, we cannot serve both God and mammon, right? Or money is, is a translation that, that's oftentimes used, but a proper translation is mammon, right? And, and that is the spirit of money, the power that we give it over us. And I think a lot of churches are, are unfortunately doing this and, and they're not serving God, but they're serving mammon by not preaching and teaching how to steward finances well, right? And, and this is why I think it's such a big thing and, and why of all things that could have been mentioned, of literally of all things, it's you cannot serve both God and murder, both God and the devil, both God and in lust. No, he chose mammon. It's like, well, then this must be a really big topic that we should probably talk about, right? Because this is where I think you mentioned there, uh, you know, the the uh, wealth is not wicked, poverty is not piety. We we have to understand this. Like most Christians are serving money in their poverty, and this is what really breaks my heart on this because a lot of people think, and, and partly it's because they've been taught, maybe even indoctrinated this by, uh, you know, an angry bald guy that comes around and tells people uh, how to save money, right? Which is, 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 is good if you're in debt, right? He's, it's, he's got lots of courses. He's well known throughout the entire, you know, Christian community, uh, but it's literally a means to an end. Like it's, it's a race to zero. It's to get out of debt, which is, is a great tool, a great resource if that's where you're at in life. But I know that that, that's not it. The last I read, Kyle, I mean, we serve a God that owns a cattle on a thousand hills, right? We serve a God of abundance, a God of more than enough, right? And this isn't getting into what, what's known as like prosperity gospel. This isn't like name it and claim it and, you know, blab it and grab it or whatever that, what the heck it is. This is gospel, right? This is truly just like, what does the word of God say? And, and if we believe that, then we have to believe the entire Bible. We don't get to like pull out truncate scriptures and be like, okay, well, we're going to talk about this verse today because it's easier for uh, a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to get to heaven. And they use that scripture, but they didn't continue to read that the very next verse says this, with God, all things are possible. And it's like, oh, when I read that, because this is growing up, it was like, well, I'm going to be poor. And this is where I struggled, man, when it's like, I had a gift to make money. Like, I'm unashamed to, to say that. Like, God has blessed me with that ability. And, and from there, it is, it is stewardship. But for so long, I, was, I, was, I felt like I couldn't be a good Christian because 
I, I could make money, right? But then all of a sudden I had discipleship in my life and Deuteronomy says that it's God that gives me the ability to create wealth. And then as I continue to read uh, what, what was indoctrinated into me on specific scriptures and then I read the next verse and I was like, oh, so even if you're poor, you still need God. Okay, then, then I could start to process this and understand that with God, all things are possible. Now, having a lot of money, having riches, it, 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 it definitely brings new uh, pressures, new stresses, new, new responsibilities, we'll call it, into your life, right? And, and we do know that the parable of the talents tells us that uh, it's, it's God gives to us according to our ability. And this is where I, I believe what is happening in the Christian community uh, is that God is, is raising up this generation of, of those that are able. Because I really believe, how do we know... Uh, Quickly, again, the parable of talents, there's there's a dude who's given one talent, a dude who's given two talent, and one who's given five. And then it said God give, gives according to their ability. And when I first read that early on, again, as a Christian, it's like, that's not fair. Well, why did one get one, one get five? And like, hello, is that culture today? Like, not fair. And no, it gives these gifts to our ability because if, as you continue to read, you realize that the one who got five, he freaking doubled it into 10. The one who got two, he doubled it into 10. And the one who got one buried it. And he buried it crazily enough. As you continue to read this, when the master returns, that the one who has five, he brings it to the master. And he's like, here's, here's what I did. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been entrusted with a little. Now you'll, you'll have more. He says the same thing to the guy with second. He brought it to him. And then when you, when you read the one who had one, this is where it gets gnarly, dude. It's like, he goes, you wicked and lazy servant. You could at least put it on, on you know, I could earn interest with, with the bankers, right? But you didn't even do that. You buried it. Wicked and lazy. And he, he took what he had, gave it to those that were willing to be fruitful and to multiply, right? But this is what's, this is where I understood coming back to this mindset, what, what it said it, and I encourage everybody to go read this, spend some time in this, this chapter because it's, it's fascinating. He said, the one who, who, who got one and buried it said, I knew you to be a hard man. And I, this is where I really believe our perspective of God is directly in correlation with how we view money. And if we know it to be hard and, and for him to like, I don't, I don't want to like take a, what we would consider a risk. I don't want to, you know, I'm just going to hold on to what I have. I'm going to hold on to it tight so that I have enough in case I need it. No, 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 no. Right. Matthew six, chapter six is incredible. And Matthew talks about uh, provision and, and that God takes care of the, the lilies of the field. If we get to verse 33 and we said, seek first the kingdom of God, it says all those other things are going to be given to you. Right. But it, you have to seek first the kingdom of God and operate with that mindset and authority, knowing that he's given me this. I'm going to be responsible for this. Right. I'm going to be responsible. I'm going to be accountable. The parable of the talents tells us that as well. And then the biggest one that I think is, is, is what we're missing is the availability. Right. Are we making ourselves available to God to be used? And this just to put a bow on what comes back to like if you're strapped down to a job eight hours a day or 10 hours a day or whatever it is it's hard right yes you can have domain in that territory but i believe that god has called 
some, some listening here right now, this is going to resonate. God has called you to more. He has called you to, to more than what you're doing right now. But you have to put yourself in a position to receive what he's called you to do. And if you're tied down and you're strapped down, the number one enemy of every vision is lack of provision. And if you're tied down because of that provision, sometimes it takes a step of faith to actually act. And this is a step of faith, not a prayer of faith, a step of faith, right? Because faith without works is dead. If we're just sitting here praying for God to to give us an opportunity, but we're never taking a step on the opportunity, that ain't faith, right? God's like, bro, I already gave you like seven of them. They keep coming by, right? But at some point you got to take action. And when you have that mindset, then God can actually use you here on this earth for his kingdom to come here and now. And, and this is where I, I, again, just the entrepreneurship, the entrepreneurs, it, it resonates with us because I believe God is absolutely bringing money, bringing finances, the wealth of the world back into the kingdom so that his ultimate purposes can be accomplished. Right. We know if he ain't returning until every ear has heard, dude, I consider that a freaking challenge. I'm like, let's get to work. But I'm not I, I'm not an idiot in the fact that I don't know what it requires an incredible amount of money to make those things happen. Right. And I know you and I, dude, we have such a heart for uh, uh, children and, and sex trafficking. It's like the most wicked, gnarly stuff that's happening on this earth. Like, why don't we do something about it? Individually, people are like, ah, just, I don't, I mean, it takes money and I don't even know who to talk to. Tell you what, I know the people who to talk to. I know what it takes. I know financially the amount of money it takes to save one child. And when you have that conviction and it's like, okay, now I have to go make a hundred million dollars this year. I have to go make a billion dollars in the next couple of years because that conviction which I believe is a God-given conviction. It's like, that's the responsibility that I want. If, 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 if that's what God, because we know God can do anything, but he's going to do it through man. And it's going to take entrepreneurs to step up to the plate to actually be the provision for the God-given vision on this earth. Well, well, let's let's actually talk more about provision because I feel like in every category, so let, let's just pick pick a random industry. Pick, pick a random industry off the top of your head, Riley. Uh. Like manufacturing, is that what you mean? An industry yeah, like sure, that? manufacturing. Okay. So okay. if you're wanting to get into the manufacturing game, you're going to think to yourself, huh, okay, this is not only going to be time consuming, but this is going to be very expensive because I'm going to have to build big buildings. I'm going to have to buy very expensive machinery. I'm going to have to pay people that have a lot of experience and know-how on these machines to run these machines. They're going to have to hire people under them that they can trust. There's going to be a lot of training. There's a lot of regulations. There's a lot of safety protocols. There's a lot of blah, 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 blah. Okay, but I want I want to be in manufacturing. Let's get after it. Pick an industry, and that's how people think. Yep. But when it comes to ministry, people find a new category somehow, and they think, well, yeah, you want to be in ministry, and you want to accomplish all these things. Just pray to God, and I guess it'll just end up in your bank account somehow. And, and I don't want to belittle anybody because I literally, Riley, have heard stories about people that did not have the – and I even get like a little emotional thinking about these stories – People that did not have the money in the bank to pay the mortgage, they were going to be out on their butt with their little kids and 
they get a check in the mail. Like that stuff happens. Like the yeah. bank makes a mistake and all of a sudden they have more money in their account and they get to keep it. I've heard these stories, right? But that's not what I'm talking about. But when people are talking about kingdom work and ministry, I think they just expect, oh, well, you're Christian, so you don't need it. I remember being pitched. I won't say the, the place because it'll give it away. But there was a person that was running a camp in a particular state and they invited me to come out and speak at this camp, which I get invited to speak at a lot of things like that. But what they wanted me to do was go to this like four day excursion in the middle of the woods to speak. I think it was seven or eight times for an hour a time. And they wanted me to pay my own way. And I was like, wait, I must've missed something. So you want me to take a week away from my family? Pretty much. You want me to prepare eight hours worth of content and you want me to deliver it in the woods for free. And it was like, yeah, I think you should do your job for free as well. But people don't realize that at the end of the day, kingdom work is expensive. So I want to read this quote from the book and then we'll talk about it. And that'll wrap up our discussion of the book itself. In order to be Christians, Jesus has commanded us to be, it's incredibly expensive. If I am to truly care for the needs of others, I not only need to be available, I also need to be able to afford to do so. Wait, what? This was the revelation I so badly needed and what I believe so many others within the church need to hear as well. We have some stuff that we're working on behind the scenes um, uh, here at Undaunted Life that we're looking to roll out this year. And guess what? All that stuff's expensive. All that stuff is going to require other people to be part of this. And guess what? Those people don't work for nothing. They work for a living. They work for money. They trade their time and talent for money. But for whatever reason, Riley, there's almost like this brain contagion that if it's Christian, you shouldn't need my money. That if it's yeah. Christian, I shouldn't have to donate to you because God's just going to provide to you. He's just going to sprinkle it over you. Maybe it's the name it and claim it or the other way you said it, which was funny. Uh, uh, grab it, grab it, grab it, grab it. Yeah. So <laughs> just talk to me a little bit about that mindset because kingdom work is expensive. If, if the Tim Tebow Foundation, if they're armed that rescues kids out of trafficking, the rescue team, in order to do that, guess what? It costs a lot of money. You know how I know that specifically? Again, I know this is kind of a long setup to a question, but I'm getting you revved up. Yeah. But I talked to somebody on that team. They spent hundreds of thousands of dollars to get a kid out of trafficking, right? Yeah. What they did is they put the money in escrow, but then they had a hacker that was able to get the money back, but they couldn't have put it in the account if the money was not there to begin with, right? Yeah. So they took possession of the girl, the girl, and then they took the possession of the money back. But then also there was a specific hacker that had to get paid to do this type of thing. Mm -hmm. And they're not the only company or the only organization that does this. There are companies doing that all over the place. But without that money, that girl is probably still uh, in captivity. She could be dead now. And so I just don't really get the mindset, but anyway, I'm rambling on a little bit too far with the question, but just talk to me a little bit about this, this disconnect for people and how expensive kingdom work can be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is where, again, I think the enemy has done a great job at infiltrating our minds, right? And here's the thing. The enemy cannot block your blessing. He can't, he literally can't do it, but he can infiltrate your mindset, instill a little bit of doubt, and then it causes us to block our blessing. This is what happened in the garden when, when man fell. He didn't, he didn't like make Eve bite the apple. He just said, did God really say that? And then she went down a spiral rabbit trail. It's just like, ah, and then here we are, right? He didn't make anything happen. He just, and he, he took power of what he could do. And that was doubt, right? And so many of us doubt. 
And, and, and that's where I think the, the root of, of a lot of things, pride, ego is, is where a lot of things come uh, into effect here to, to when we're trying to further the kingdom, like kingdom advancement here. And you, you had mentioned the, the, the parable of the Good Samaritan, which is one of the most impactful stories in the Bible that, that has had on my life. And, and it was, we knew, and I just read this, this, um, uh, quote by Margaret Thatcher recently, which is fascinating because I, when I read this, the parable of the good Samaritan, and then I, all of a sudden I, I saw Jesus's commandment right afterwards. And he said to go and do likewise. And I was like, Oh, it is incredibly expensive to be that person, to be the type of Christian Jesus literally commanded to be that takes provision. And that's what unlocked me four years ago of like, okay, it was now my permission to go create wealth, right? And, and Margaret Thatcher had this quote. She said, if the good Samaritan only had good intentions, probably that story probably wouldn't have even made the Bible, right? But he had provision. He had the ability. And this is what I think is so epic is that he had to have even planned for this, right? And, and this is where... When, when I say we're serving money in our poverty, we're, we're typically, and this happens with everybody, not just Christians, but we, our level, our, our lifestyle always meets the level of our income, right? So it's like we get a raise and all of a sudden the next month, it's like we're out of money again. We get a raise, out of money again. And it's, it's, this, it's this worldly nature that we have versus, you know, the Samaritan, it's like he had money. Right. And he's traveling. This is my just my again, my spin on it. I don't know how accurate this is, but I'm just like the dude had to been a businessman like he's he's traveling. He's got a donkey. He's got supplies. He's traveling through. He sees the Samaritan. He's like, oh, snap. I got to bandage this guy up, takes care of him, puts him in the inn, pays for him. If he didn't have extra margin, we'll even call it. And this is where I think if, if we can understand that we serve a God of, of what I believe is margin, right? Not just like just enough. A lot of people are thinking that it's just, it's just enough. Like I, I can't even afford to tithe because I only have enough for this. It's like, well, if that's your mindset, then I would argue you can't afford not to tithe because I do know that God will do way more with that 90% than you can do with a hundred percent of any and all of your efforts. Right. And so it's and this is just comes back to this this mindset shift, but also putting our, our heart's disposition in a place where it's like I, I, it's, it's, since it's the beginning of the year, man, this is just fresh in my mind. So many people are setting, you know, they set goals. They set, uh, you know, this is what I want to make this year and earn this year. And one thing I come to realize and learn a few years ago is that from here on out, I, I never set an in, income goal without setting a giving goal first. And if, if, if that's just a quick little mindset shift where it's like, okay, my goal this year, our goal this year is to give $1 million. And, and the only way that I know that that can happen is if I make more than a million dollars, right? So many of us set an in, income goal to make a million dollars and then we'll give what we, what we have left over. Where if we just shift this a little bit, right? It does, doesn't have to be Jurassic, but it's like, even if your goal is I want to give $1,000 this year, that may be a stretch for some of you. It's like, but now it's a different goal than making $100,000, right? Or it's, and, and now we're working towards something that's actually kingdom-based, not worldly-based, right? Because there's so many principles in the Bible that, that say we, we reap what we sow, 
right? And 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 it's like if we understand that that if we want to, and and here's the thing: we don't ever just on that we don't ever give to get, right? That's not a, a kingdom mindset. But when we give, it puts us in a position to receive. That's a kingdom understanding and mindset. It's like I don't give to get, right? Even though that is a, a, a biblical principle, right? We, whatever you give, if it's, if it's life and death in the words that you're speaking, right? You're going you're gonna to re, re, reap what you sow, right? But if my mindset and my heart's disposition is now that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give, I know that I'm going to get, but it's not, not because it's not the reason why I'm giving, but it is putting me in a position to receive what our almighty creator wants to give. And, and now our heart is not being, uh, not chasing after the things of the world, but it's chasing after things of the kingdom. We're now storing up treasures in heaven uh, versus trying to store up, uh, you know, wealth on this earth, right? In, in this time that we're walking this earth right now. And so, but everything, I mean, literally everything that we're talking about, Kyle, comes back to the mindset. And if, if we understand that, that this is, yes, to, to, to be saved, right? To experience salvation, it is to, to believe in our heart and then speak with our mouth, right? That, that's how we experience salvation. We believe in our heart, but then we speak a, a repentance prayer. We speak and, and that's how we experience salvation. And so the only way that that happens, though, we can believe in our heart, but if I never have a kingdom mindset shift, I'm never going to speak the words of, of life in my life. And so if we can control this, Right. This is this is where a lot of things begin and end in the believer's life in anybody's life is this mindset. But it's not just think positive, think positive, think positive. It is it is think kingdom. Jesus is rule and reign in our life. And, and that's where uh, it, it boils down to even in just the uh, the mentality that you mentioned that Christians are, are expected to give things for free. And, and this is partly why I believe so much, uh, you know, Christian you know, businesses and the, the products they put out are crappy. Like it's unfortunate. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's not even joke. It's not even laughable. It, just, it truly does break my heart because again, we're, if we're supposed to be image bearers of our creator, we should be putting about out the most excellent product, the most, the most incredible services. And, and that again, comes back to mindset. Like, if, Hey, if we're not doing everything that we do in excellence, as Colossians says, to whatever we do, work as if you're working for the Lord. That means that last sales call, you ain't working for your, the boss. You ain't even working for yourself. You're working for God. So do it with excellence. That last lawn you're supposed to mow, do it with excellence. Did you skip the tree trimming? Do it with excellence. And that mentality, will you will reap what you sow if you are doing nothing but putting out excellence because the world can't help. They can't help it but be attracted to excellence. And when we have that mindset as believers, that's where the kingdom culture can actually flourish and we can actually have dominion. Yeah, guys, we have to remember we, we're working for an audience of one, and I've said this a lot and I'll repeat it. I give just as much effort today to preparing a podcast interview as I did with my first interview back on episode 100. My solo episodes, I give the same level of effort as I did back in 2017 when we started this thing. And that was back when we had essentially no audience. And then in December, we were in the top 150 out of all five and a half plus million shows on Spotify, but it's putting out the same amount of effort. Now that doesn't mean 
if you put out the same amount of effort that that's all you need, you know, you do need some talent, you need some skill and you need some luck. But I, the best thing I ever heard was like, uh, luck is the residue of hard work. And so some people that get lucky, they are overnight sensations that have been doing the thing for 10 years or whatever, yeah. but that's the book, the kingdom entrepreneur. I'm looking at the clock. We're running out of time here, but I always like to ask you, uh, anytime I see you, it's always, what are you working on now? Cause you, you, you've got, you know, King's council, you got some other stuff, but you always got like irons in the fire and it's yeah. typically stuff that I don't understand. And so I have to ask a lot of follow-up questions cause I'm not very smart, but like, what are you working on now? Is there anything you got going that's interesting? Yeah, man. There's so many things as entrepreneurs, a lot of people tell you to follow your passion. You'll never work a day in your life. Mm. I think that's a moronic. Uh, because you still have to, you still have to provide, right? A lot of people are passionate yeah. about stuff that doesn't make money. So I follow opportunities, and so head on a swivel. I'm always looking for opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. And then my job is to vet those things out and see, like, does this have legs? Does this make sense? One of the things that I've struggled with was taking on too many opportunities, uh, because then I, I can't operate in excellence if, I, if I'm if I'm you know so uh, bogged down with too many irons in the fire, we'll call it, right? So our, this year, we're focusing on on a handful of big projects of things that are really going to impact uh, people on a, on a whole new level. And one of a big one now, I'll just share with you, man. Uh, we've launched a a pharmacy, a membership based pharmacy. Uh, it's called America's First Pharmacy. And just knowing, diving into being a part of somewhat of the you know the in that health industry, we'll call it. Uh, the insane medicine and a lot of the corruption that's taking place because a lot of it is driven by the almighty dollar. Uh, they're literally serving mammon, not God. Uh, we've realized that there's, there is, there are solutions here to people uh, that need medications that just don't have the financial means to get it, whether they don't have health insurance that covers it uh, or even their, their uh, deductibles and things uh, or their co-pays, excuse me, are, are so high to afford these things. So we've literally structured a pharmacy, man, that's a membership-based pharmacy. We have over 800 medications in, in this right now and more coming that are completely free, F-R-E-E, completely free, as long as you got a membership with us. And a membership, bro, is 20 bucks a month. And so, and, and this isn't like, I know there's good RX and those out there that are like, oh, you still get, you get them at a discount. No, no, no. These are free for a single membership, it's 20 bucks a month. For a family membership, it's only 30 bucks a month. And all of your medications, assuming there's some of the 800 that we have now, um, are free, direct ship to you. Uh, we do these in 90-day supplies as well. Um, or if you have an acute thing, you get, you're like, I need it today. I can't wait till for it to be shipped tomorrow. Uh, you, can, you can literally walk into the majority, over 60,000 pharmacies that we have uh, networked with throughout the country. And so, um, I think it's going to help keep money in the kingdom economy here, not these uh, corrupt uh, PBMs and, and these pharmaceutical benefit companies uh, that are all just scapegoats for, for political things that are that are taking place. So we're keeping money in uh, the kingdom economy, and then we're also able to provide these medications. I'm not a huge proponent of medications. Like if you don't have to take a medication, I think if they're overprescribed majority of the time, then don't do it, right? Take care of your health, most importantly. But there are certain things that medication are needed. Sometimes an antibiotic is needed. All of those are included within this membership that we have available. So it's America First Pharmacy, bro. So I'm going to violate our agreement on time here because I have a follow-up question. I almost never do this because right. I hate when people are made late because of other people. So so just one quick follow-up on that because I just want to make sure I'm, I'm, I'm following you. 
So this is like, okay, so they, they have a uh, subscription through you all. And if the, the medication that they need that they have to regularly take or whatever is on y'all's list, then they can just opt, Hey, I want that one. Or I want that one. Do they get like one medication for that, for that 20 or 30 bucks a month? Do they get whatever medications that, that they need? Like what if it's opioids and it's post-surgery? Like what, what yeah. I guess it's like, what are yeah. some more of the it's, details? Yeah. Yeah. So first off, uh, you can go to americafirstpharmacy.com and do a drug search on there. Um, and just see if your medication is, is on the list. Uh, we've got a, a whole list on there. Um, you know, the narcotics, opiates, things like that, that are more controlled substances. We don't have those like readily available. We can get them at a, a, de- a definite discount. Now, here's the deal. You still have to have a prescription, right? So we're not like uh, breaking laws or anything here. You have a prescription from your doctor that says, I need uh, amlodipine, right? Blood pressure medication, losartan. Uh, I need... Uh, even an in, in antibiotic, amoxicillin. I need this for, uh, we're sick right now. We have those, right? You still have to have the prescription. We're working, launching here soon to have a full-blown telehealth, telemedicine uh, where you can meet with the doctor and get a prescription. But at this point, uh, it is, if you have the prescription and it's on the list, you could have one, you could have 35 prescriptions for 20 bucks a month. It is completely free, just your $20 a month membership. Pretty good deal, dude. I, have more, I know it sounds too good to be true. I, I have more <laughs> questions, but we are out of time. We're going to have to leave it there. Riley, I would normally ask you, is there anything else you want to get off your chest? But I know, in fact, that there is somebody else waiting on you right now. So I'm not even going to say that. So I'm just going to say thank you. And we'll talk to you again soon. All right. Later, brother. There you go, guys. I hope you enjoyed the return appearance of Riley Meek on the show. But before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost. At Undaunted Life, our mission is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. So in the notes, I've got a link to Riley's website. That's where you can check out all the stuff he's doing, including picking up the book, The Kingdom Entrepreneur. Also, I've got a link to the King's Council page, so you can check that out, and his appearance on episode 355 of this podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, and leave us a positive five-star review. If you want me to come speak live at your event or on your podcast, just shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life. That's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. Follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook and check out our website for everything else, including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way. Just go to www.undaunted.life. And also, we want to thank the band Holy Name for allowing us to use their music for our content. The music on this podcast is their song, Perfect. Perpetua, which is off their self-titled debut album on Facedown Records. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep pushing back darkness, keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical resilience, keep seeking the Lion of Judah. <laughs>